0: Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our Northern Conversations podcast. I am with uh, my good buddy Kelly Darwin. How are you, Kelly? Fantastic, John. How are you? Well, I'm I'm just thrilled today because we're in the legislature. Yes, and we are totally honored to be interviewing Ellis Ross, MLA Ellis Ross from Skeena. He's sitting right beside me. Hi, Ellis. How you doing? Uh, well, we're 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 just honored <laughs> and so lucky to be chatting with you, and we understand that we're. Potentially interview number 33,000 for you. <laughs> 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 this week. <laughs> this week, <laughs> give or take. Yeah. So we won't be too long, but we, we, you, have, you have naturally exhibited and, and demonstrated a leadership position within this Canadian conversation. Yeah, I know. And, uh, and so, so we would love to chat with you about, about what that is and, and some of the important issues that have arisen for you in this dialogue and with any luck, we'd like to continue chatting with you and have a story come out of this. Sure, sounds good. We would love to hear more about your stories and, and your reflections on what's what's happening.
1: Well, I'm born and raised in reserve at uh, Kitimat Village, which is a small little community on the west coast of B.C. Uh, when I first joined council in 2003, we were one of the poorest bands in B.C. because we had no money, and yet we were right next door to one of the richest uh, communities per capita at one time in Canada. Uh, huh? Seven miles down the road, we had nothing. All we, were, we were stuck with Indian Act funding, and even that wasn't good because we were in such a bad deficit that Canada was actually in a process of coming in to basically shut us down. But my chief and council argued and said, you got to give us a chance. You know, So I was a part of a process that I had to learn from the ground up very quickly, and I took it from there.
0: And I understand uh, that that journey uh, eventually had you as a chief in that band. Is called uh, the Hi- the Well. they call us the Heisla, the
1: Heisla Nation? But really, we originally started as a a Village band.
0: Okay, but we changed
1: the name. But uh, throughout that, you know, it was just uh, learning as I went along because I knew nothing. I had not very well educated, and I didn't know anything about politics. But as I went along. I realized a lot of the stuff that I was doing as an elected leader was useless. I mean, I, I sat on portfolios like uh, the Housing Crisis Committee, which you can't do anything because the funding agreement specifically says what you can and can't do. I sat in the community development uh, portfolio, which was, if we have no money, why am I here? And uh, the last one I took was uh, finance portfolio, which was totally out of my league because I know nothing about finances. I failed math three times, grade 8. <laughs> so that's the wrong fit. So it it came to a point where I said to to my counsel, I'm not going to do any more of these Indian Act portfolios. They're useless. You you can't change it. So I'm going to look for something else. And so I started to read more and more about rights and title case law. I started to read more about uh, some of the projects coming down the pike. Uh, I started to involve myself, everything non-Indian Act related. And so that's
0: that's basically how I started. So... And, and I, I don't know a lot about how the Indian Act works. D- does every band have to have somebody on those portfolios?
1: Well, uh, d- it depends. Uh, by, by the time I became chief, I, I slogged it out eight years as a counselor. So I, I was in a good place because I could really learn from the inside out, but I didn't have the responsibility as chief. And so when I got elected in, in, uh, as chief counselor, I, I was asked, you know, what do you want to do? I said, I want to burn it all to the ground, hmm. and I want to build it up again. Because and you did, and mm-hmm. I did
0: it to it, one of the most successful yeah, nations. And, well, you know, in Canada. Canada.
1: But the thing about it, the, the council I was took charge of in 2011 did not want to burn it to the ground. So it took me two years to convince my people, my council, to say, look, the Indian Act doesn't matter. Why are we wasting so much time and effort and energy on this? We should actually just let our staff look after the Indian Act programming because you can't change it, you can't improve it. So if we do that, we restructure ourselves, let the staff look after it, and have oversight of an executive committee. The rest of you politicians, come over here and help me with everything non-Indian Act related, including a government-to-government committee, where my vision was to train the next chief councillors. And, you know, there was a bit of reluctance there, but uh, when people finally trusted me, we just exploded in growth, revenues, jobs, land acquisitions. It was just... Over a space of like three years, and right. it was just an amazing time,
0: right? And then, obviously, you took that, those experiences, and in your relationships, and and became an MLA for Skeena. <laughs> I don't uh, know why I did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can just say a whole bunch of us are really, really very really happy glad that you did. You, you did because yeah. you are you you're almost a lone voice. So, I have an experience with my. With my labor market work, that that might help you segue into what's happening today. So we were tasked. My company was tasked to help identify and match jobs for our local First Nations and the manufacturing and industry industry sector. And that that was a bit tough. Those doors are not readily open. I can imagine. And and so we are we are trying to create the doors and open the doors. And I got a lot of advice got a lot of advice around you got to learn all this stuff and you got to learn all this culture <laughs> and you got to learn all these protocols and i said okay i will and i just started talking with community members from those bands mm-hmm. and it turns out i didn't need to learn all that stuff right, because right. in <laughs> fact in fact what they want are better opportunities for their community they want better jobs, they want a future, they want a house to live in that they can afford, they want their kids to have a better future. That was not a lot different than what I want. Mm -hmm. And I was, okay, let's go. Let's just make this happen. And that doesn't seem to be a little bit of what's happening here. Tell us why is there the disconnect up north and, and what is happening? in in that regard because it does appear that so many of of the, the the folks up north just want the same things as we do oh without a doubt but you know it's it's people got to remember we're brand new to this right mm-hmm. it's never come around
1: before as you know in fact if anything uh, we're really looking at only at like 14 years of us uh being at the table and being like all my previous leaders before me fought for a chance to be at the table you know, all we want is economic opportunity. We want to be part of the economy. Great. So when we won that fight in 2004, I I, I saw a lot of stunned people around the table saying, Holy smokes, we won. Now what do we do? <laughs> I was in a. Outcome. When you
0: referenced 2004, can you tell us why? Is in that
1: date? 2004 is when the Haida Court case came out on the duty to consult and accommodate First Nations rights and title. Okay. And hmm. without a doubt, it said, Government, you've got to consult and accommodate. You can't get away from it. Okay. You have to. You to the honor of the crown. Okay. And that opened the door to it. it. forced government to come to our table. And more importantly, it forced industry to come to our table. I was at a, like, we were slogging through an LG negotiation with the original proponents of a project in our territory. And it was like every other negotiation. We're getting nowhere because the industry really didn't, talk didn't they to us. want to partner. They didn't want to no. partner. They were forced to. They didn't. <laughs> but finally, you know, the company, after two years, because number one, we wanted the project to move. From a very environmentally uh, sensitive site, and we wanted to do it to a different site where there was no environmental sensitivity, not as much anyway. So, after two years, they finally agreed, and then they said to us, Okay, we get it, you make a lot of sense now, so what is it that you want? And I was on the negotiating team, <laughs> and we're all sitting there going, Hello? Hello? Hey, geez. <laughs> Nobody's ever asked us so before. So we, we took a caucus, we went in the other room, we sat down, we started thinking, hey, what is it that we want? And our chief counselor, who actually knew this already, he said, well, what we want is we want part of the economy. We want to be jobs, we want training, we want contracts, we want everything. And it was, okay, don't even know what that means, but sure, I'm on board. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't my idea. It wasn't, I didn't come up with this. I just kind of built on what previous generations did before me. Mm. I, just,
0: I just kind of fine-tuned it. So... When, and it, our experience is from a business, I mean, that's what we yeah. do, that's what yeah, we do. we're both businessmen. Yeah. When things get tough, when, when there are issues with staff, when, when things are not going, all, when we're all not going in the same pathway, uh, as leaders we have to consolidate and step back and, and talk with each other, and aggressively talk. Mm-hmm. I mean, go into a room and understand where each other's position is. And it would appear that that's, I don't think, unique to business. It, it's it's the way humans get through stuff. Yeah. And so that has been a message of yours from day one. If there's an issue, if there's a problem, if there's conflict, can we please talk about it? And and just continue to talk about it? Yes. And in fact, we, we went one step further.
1: Uh, I, I looked at a lot of uh, government structures. I looked at the mainly the provincial structure. I also read a, a Put out by the band management course there a few years ago talking about how to structure First Nations uh, councils and governments. And I realized you know, you, you can't have elected leaders at the negotiating table and you can't have elected leaders dealing with technical permits. We should structure ourselves similar to the BC government. I'll give you an example that I used. I said, you know, when there's a satellite office in Terrace and they need to hire somebody new for an HR position. Christy Clark does not go down there and do get <laughs> involved the interviews so when we're dealing with like, our chief and council we should be the, the, the leaders and we interact with people like Christy Clark and our ministers and when it comes to industry we should interact with the presidents and the vice presidents but if we get some principles down in agreement in terms of where we're going forward then we turn it over to our staff our yes. consultants and yes. we tell them you fix the details for us because yes. you've got the objective
0: mm-hmm. and it worked wonderfully it so, wonderful. So is that, to some degree, what hasn't happened recently up north?
1: Well, for my band, the, the, I don't know if you're aware, but my band is so successful. I mean, it was one of my objectives saying we want to be so successful at some point, we're going to say no to Indian Act funding. Wow. And we're probably three-quarters of the way there. Wow. So, wow. Okay. And we're talking about land acquisitions, we're talking about revenues, yes. we're talking about authorities, a seat at the table... It was all that it was all there and it was just a combination of everything I heard over the years. And not just thinking about the Indian Act, not thinking about rights of title. thinking about provincial politics, think about federal politics, think about governments, think about who they are and how we won this all together into a strategy. It worked it worked wonders.
0: I wasn't sure if it would work or not, but it did. Yeah, well, uh, it takes a certain magic. A magic that you have. <laughs> uh, and 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 uh, a magic that, that leaders have in understanding how to galvanize people around a goal and around objectives. They, so, still, they still use that structure too. by the way. That's why you
1: don't see Crystal Smith, Chief Council of Highland. You don't see her in every single issue battling it out because she delegates the loan. Yeah, the, the yeah. Of mm-hmm. Sort of a middle management,
0: really, yeah. if, analogy, hey? Yeah. Eh? yeah, yeah. So we're now, believe it or not, at about 13, 14 minutes, oh, wow. which for a wow. digital wow. podcast environment uh, <laughs> is, is about, technically, that's what they say, about the length of time that people generally want to go listen to something else. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So you've, you've given us a, a, a fantastic background and an understanding of, of really uh, where you come from, and, and that's what we wanted to hear. And we'd like to do this again with you. So please, I hope that you open that door for us. Is there a few thoughts you'd like to leave at the end of this? Uh, uh, any words of wisdom? Well, actually, everything you say is words of wisdom, but any further <laughs> words? So we'd appreciate hearing.
1: You know, it's, it's it comes down to, like, I'll talk about the Indian Act. I'll talk about uh, independence. I'll talk about all that stuff. But really, the, what really got me going in the beginning was, number one, the treatment of aboriginals, including my community, over the last 100 years, 150 years. But there's no point in talking about revenge. There's no t- point in talking about going back in time. It, it should be a go-forward basis. And number two, my number one objective was to make sure that the story of uh, uh, poverty, suicides, prison, somebody, addiction, somebody's got to put a stop to that. Yeah. And we've got to start building a new story. Right.
0: And it's mm-hmm. if it's not going to be done now, then I, I don't really want to be a part of it. And it's not a First Nations story. It is all of our stories. It's a human story that shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. And we need to figure out how to fix that. And our little podcast here hopefully will be a small pebble in the sand of trying to solve those problems. Thank you very much, uh, Ellis Ross. Uh, your time and, and comments and reflections are so much appreciated. Thank you.